This is Dan Fleisch, and this is the second podcast for Section 3.1 of A Student's Guide to Maxwell's Equations. This podcast is about E, the induced electric field, and the relevant section of the text begins on page 62. As you heard if you listened to the first podcast from this section, the induced electric field and the charge-based electrostatic field have some similarities and some differences. They're similar in that they have the same units, newtons per coulomb or volts per meter. They produce forces on electric charges, and they can be represented by field lines. But the structure of charge-based and induced electric fields can be very different. In this section, you'll see an example of an induced electric field, and I'll talk a little bit about the rules for drawing the field lines of induced fields. The most important difference between charge-based fields and induced electric fields is, of course, that charge-based electric fields begin on positive charge and terminate on negative charge. You can see that in figure 3.1 on page 62 in the A part of the figure. There's a schematic of a slice through an electrostatic field originating on some positive charge, terminating on some negative charge, and that's exactly what we talked about in chapter 1. The induced electric field, on the other hand, does not have an origination and a termination point. It loops back on itself. Now, in the second paragraph on page 62, there's an important caveat that I also mentioned in the previous podcast, which is that the induced electric field truly loops back on itself only in the reference frame that is at rest with respect to the loop. So in this case, taking the loop as stationary in our laboratory reference frame and the magnet as moving to the right in that frame, the electric field truly does loop back on itself, and we can use the standard form of Faraday's law with no worries. You can see an example of that in the B part of figure 3.1. There's a magnet. Notice the north pole of the magnet is on the left, and the magnet is moving to the right. That means that the magnetic flux, you can see the magnetic field lines coming out of the North Pole. Of course, those will go back around and come into the South Pole. And that leftward magnetic flux through the shaded area, that circular shaded area, the magnetic flux through that area will be decreasing as the magnet moves to the right. What Faraday's law tells you is that that changing magnetic flux will induce an electric field that attempts to oppose that changing flux, and in this case, since the leftward flux is decreasing, the induced electric field will try to make more magnetic flux to the left to compensate for the loss of flux due to the moving magnet. That means the induced electric field will have to circulate in the direction shown in the figure. That is, it will be going into the page at the top of the loop and coming out of the page at the bottom of the loop. Why does the electric field have to be oriented that way to oppose the reduction in leftward magnetic flux? Well, you can learn more about this in the Lenz's Law section of this chapter. But briefly, imagine that there is a conducting loop where I've drawn the circle. In that case, the electric field as shown is going to push positive charges around that loop in the direction of the field. Because remember, the electric force F sub E is equal to Q times E. That means the electric force is in the same direction as the electric field for positive charges. So if there's a conducting loop where I've drawn that dark arrow in figure 3.1b, there's going to be a current running in the direction of that field. That current is going to generate its own magnetic field, and by the right-hand rule, that magnetic field is going to be pointed to the left. So it's going to try to buck up the decreasing magnetic field due to the withdrawal of the magnet. Again, you can hear more about the direction of the electric field in the Lenz's Law section, but for now, just notice the structure of that field is to loop 
directly back on itself in the reference frame for which it's at rest. Be aware that that electric field exists due to the changing magnetic flux, whether or not there is a physical conducting loop there. If there is a conducting loop, a current will be driven through it. But even if there's not a loop, the electric field will appear. On page 63, there are some rules that will help you visualize and sketch induced electric fields. The first one is the only one that's any different from what you've learned about electrostatic fields, because the first one says induced electric fields must form complete loops. That is, they don't begin at a point and end at a point, they circulate back on themselves. The other two points are exactly the same as they are for electrostatic fields. That is, at any point, if you have multiple sources of induced electric fields, the net or total electric field at that point is simply the vector sum of all the component electric fields there. And the third bullet says, just like electrostatic field lines, induced electric field lines can never cross, since that would indicate that the field is pointing in two different directions at the same location. There's a little summary paragraph, which just reminds you that the induced electric field in Faraday's law is integrated around a path C, and that path is a boundary of the surface through which the magnetic flux is changing over time. And remember, if there's a conducting material there, current will flow. If there's no conducting material there, the electric field still exists.